happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode here of the Side Guys Football Forum. I'm one of your co-hosts from the side, joined as always by my good friend, my good buddy, the other half of this guy, Mr. Tad Sai. And Tad, we're sort of making this shift. You know, we sort of did all draft covers the past four months or so from January to April, being the new the, the draft guys for LAFB Network. But now, in May, I think we're sort of making that transition back to fantasy football, which we've done for the past couple of years now. And I think today's episode is sort of like, Part of that phase out of shifting from the draft stuff to now going back to fantasy stuff and offseason stuff, obviously, it's not going to be all fantasy content. There's obviously a lot of offseason stuff to get through as well. But just, yeah, I'm excited by today's episode. We're sort of shifting to something we're maybe a little bit more used to. I know being the first year of draft guys, we're sort of a little bit, you know, caught off guard, but I think we did pretty well. And hopefully next year will be even better. But fantasy, I think we're in a good groove now. So this is sort of getting back into that groove. Hopefully we've got a good episode today. I feel like Randy Quaid in the greatest movie ever made where he's flying up in the light beam. And he's like, hello, boys, I'm back. It's been a while since I made that reference. I'm allowed to make that reference again. Like so. I just I am ready to fly straight in the spaceship. And it's just to make another reference. It's the office meme. No doubt about it. I'm ready to get hurt again. <laughs> yeah unfortunately tad i think hopefully this year maybe you'll take the um lefb league I'll, a little I'll bit more seriously to this one yes. um maybe and, my and personal only... league you'll take a little seriously as well like i mean yeah chances no, that it pretty one, much... i can only do so much no your personal league if i had to do a hierarchy it's the league with my friends because we still do the punishments and i don't want to do that uh the second one will be lafb which i have to entirely credit alro for because yeah i didn't really care that I didn't do so hot in that league because I barely paid attention. And I got so much shit from him during the offseason that I was like, yeah. I need to just like stuff this back in his face. So Al, props to you. You are my sole motivation. You are like the, uh, the um, not Creed. Well, I guess it was Apollo Creed, but who's the, you're the Drago to my Rocky. Like I'm going to yeah. be running up and down those fantasy steps big time this offseason. So just be ready. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I think, though, you had a roster that if you did pay attention every so often, you probably could have been pretty close. But yeah, unfortunately, it was just, yeah, I think you had one track mind last season focusing on your personal league, which is fair. Usually personal leagues tend to be that way, sort of value. And, you know, kind of the thing known as my career as well. (laughs) (laughs) So kind of important. Yeah, exactly. That too. That too. But um. Yeah, so sort of making that shift here with today's episode. Still sort of, though, a little bit draft-related because we're going to be talking about rookies from the 2023 NFL Draft and sort of their landing spots as far as where did they land, who sort of has a good outlook, who has some bad outlooks. So we're going to give it more of a holistic view. We're not going to dive into too many players, like, very specifically. It's more of just, like, how do we feel about the four major positions there, quarterback, running back, receiver, and tight end. I know, obviously, there's been some changes to defenses. Obviously, like, Philly's defense is probably one you want to target, but we're not going to focus too much on defense in today's episode, probably later in the offseason. We have a lot of time until fantasy that's drafts. A, that's folks, a perfect july episode that's exactly. a july episode that has it written all over it I'm like hey what we do this week defense is fine <laughs> we have a lot of time for you guys to prepare for our fantasy defenses as well as idp for those of you who play in idp leagues individual defensive players so i mean yeah that will all come in time but yeah today we want to focus obviously with the draft happening just a couple weeks ago we want to take a look at some of those rookies and just the position landscape and just how these rookies are going to fit with their various teams, whether they're good fits, whether they're bad fits. So, I mean, Tad, let's sort of start at the quarterback position. Like, I mean, 
obviously I think we want to focus on the top four that got drafted. I don't know if any of the other quarterbacks like your Aiden O'Connell's like your Clayton too. And unfortunately your Max Duggins, I don't think they're going to have any sort of fantasy relevancy this year specifically. If you play in dynasty leagues, obviously there is potential there, but I think mainly we're going to focus the conversation today on redraft league specifically with the upcoming 2023 NFL uh, fantasy drafts, obviously towards the end of the summer there. So um, let's just start at the top, the number one overall position there. I mean, Bryce Young, I think out of all the four quarterbacks that got drafted early year, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, and Will Levis, I think probably Bryce Young has the most fantasy appeal. Like, I mean, he lands in a good situation. He's got a good supporting cast around him. I mean, we talked about this so many times before with Adam Thielen being there and DJ Chark was a good signing. Hayden Hurst at the tight end position. Uh, Terrace Marshall is a carryover. Uh, Jonathan Mingo out of um, SMU. I think he's got some potential. We'll see how it all plays out. But I think they have a pretty good starting roster now after what we thought was going to be like okay they traded dj Moore. what's going to happen there they obviously traded robbie anderson uh last season so it's like what's going to happen there so i think they finally have some good pieces to surround bryce young obviously they added miles sanders to the backfield so i mean they got a good assembly there for uh bryce young to succeed early so it's just tab when you're approaching your fantasy drafts this coming season like how do you value Bryce Young? Is he a guy that you may target like as a late uh, like be, late bench ad for you? Do you see him as potentially being a starter for you? Like, I mean, just what are your thoughts on Bryce Young? Well, real quick, I just I'm going to be the well actually guy, but really I'm saving you from YouTube comments. Mingo went to Ole Miss. Not Ole Miss, my mistake. Ole as Miss. SMU yeah, was yeah. Richie Rice. Richie Rice, that was the mistake. Yeah, yeah. And we'll get to him. Patience, young, young bad one. Um, no, I mean, it was funny because the more I looked at, you know, kind of evaluate a situation for this episode, the more I started kind of falling in love with it because normally I stay away from rookie uh, quarterbacks. Sorry for the camera shake, by the way. Cap just cap holding himself off the table. Um, normally I stay away from rookie quarterbacks because there are just so many unknowns. And you're about yeah. to hear that phrase from me a lot. But with Bryce Young, this is actually the most confident I've been in a rookie quarterback when it comes to fantasy in quite some time, because like you said, he is surrounded by veterans on that offense. And Frank Reich, while I personally disagree with a lot of what he did, he is undoubtedly a good offensive mind. So there are a couple concerns I have with Bryce Young. The, the first off and most obvious being, we just don't know if he's going to be good or not. But personally, I think he will. So the second concern comes in where will will he be available for most of the season? That's a massive, massive question mark that kind of bleeds into the third concern, which is how often are they going to draft up running like direct quarterback running plays, RPOs for Bryce Young? Do they trust him enough to stay healthy to do that? Or will they just have him hang back there and kind of move around in the pocket? Because if he they turn him into a like, – Lamar Jackson-esque runner, that that hurts the stock a lot, in my opinion, because his frame is just not mm -hmm. built for that. He is Definitely not Lamar not. Jackson, where he's tall mm -hmm. and muscular enough to handle that. He's a Kyler Murray, and we saw him. People were saying I was crazy for this last year. I was like, I don't trust Kyler Murray, and lo and behold, Kyler Murray missed, what, eight games last year? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think it's lines. all about how Carolina utilizes him, and it's that unknown that pushes him to the undrafted territory for me okay. but okay. i will say this if you do draft him to be a low end to mid-tier qb2 i can totally see the justification for that very rarely will i say that's a bad pick so i think again it's it, he's a, a absolute priority waiver wire target let's see how he's used in those first couple weeks 
especially, and this is an interesting thing as well. If the injury bug starts biting Carolina, let's say Adam Thielen starts going down. Let's say DJ Chark starts going down. Both these guys have pretty extensive injury histories. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, then do you start leaning on Bryce Young or do you keep a cool head and like keep playing him safe, which I think would be the correct move. So just stuff like that. I think by like week four or five, we'll have a much more clearer idea on uh, Bryce Young, but I completely agree with you. He is definitely the most fantasy trustworthy rookie quarterback but he's more wait and see for me right now that's fair that's fair and i think probably i think a lot of fantasy managers would be pretty happy if he could sort of i know he sort of drew on a lot of comparisons to russell wilson and so if you look at russell wilson's rookie season as far as a fantasy performance he put up 275.62 fantasy points in ppr leagues which was the 11th best quarterback so i mean if you're playing in a 12-man league that's you know one of your top 12 quarterbacks there also if you're playing in just a 10-man league too like i mean that warrants some consideration as far as maybe this is a guy that you could start for a good portion of the season especially when those bye weeks start to roll around right yeah um russell wilson had had 3,118 passing yards, 26 passing touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 489 rushing yards, and four rushing touchdowns. And honestly, I could see Bryce Young having very similar stats to that, where it's like he's not going to be running a lot, very similar to, like I said, with Russell, Russell Wilson's rookie stats there with only like less than 500 rushing yards and only four rushing touchdowns. And he's going to be more of a selective passer. So he's not going to have gaudy passing numbers, but good enough where you sort of warrant that's like, okay, this guy could be a very viable option. So yeah, I agree with you. I think it depends on the size of your league. Maybe that's when you want to stash him on your mm. bench as a backup quarterback option. Or if you're playing in a two-quarterback league, he could definitely be a very good QB2, exactly like you said there. But I very much see possibly a lot of leagues probably letting him go undrafted and taking that wait-and-see approach exactly like you laid out there. So, Or or if your commissioner is a psychopath and puts you in a 14-man league, uh, yes, he is definitely draftable. I am never time. going to let you live this down. Was that was a terrible time. decision. I gave you a choice to back out. You that stuck was in. awful. That you it's fantasy in. football. I am never in. going to back out of being in a league. That is like that's telling. You can't complain about like, it because I gave you it I out. Yes, I I absolutely <laughs> can because that roster was thin as shit. Okay, so let's get through the next couple of quarterbacks. Like uh, I said, I yeah, think just uh, the topic, some of these guys are. I guess I think they got some value. I think it really just depends on how they're utilized as well. So it's like CJ Stroud. I think I just worry about his support system there. Like I mean, if you look at their starting receivers right now, they got Robert Woods potential i guess a little bit nico collins and eh, i don't know what you want to say there john mentioned the third who they drafted to be a speedster could see we'll see about that uh noah brown who they signed for the dallas cowboys Sorry. i like rookie i look rookie uh xavier hutchinson but i think he's gonna take some time to develop so i think he's gonna be instant factor and then they drafted uh, nathaniel tank dell out of the university of houston so it's like you're forgetting hey, the, uh, the, the signing of dalton schultz I was going to get to that at the tight end position. Okay, I was going to get Dalton Schultz, but just he's the only option then. So it's just, it worries yeah. me that just CJ Stroud is not going to get enough weapons there. So it's like, I probably wouldn't value him that much in redraft leagues, especially this season. Dynasty, once again, I think that holds a little bit more value. Now let's talk about this one, Ted. I want to focus a little bit on this one. Anthony oh, Richardson. So obviously we talked about this in our last episode where we're like, okay, he, the Colts had a pretty good draft. You can sort of say what you want about Anthony Richardson, but I think he was sort of a good option, especially when it comes to fantasy football, because a lot of people were drawing him to comparisons with Cam Newton. And I was giving the comparison to Jalen Hurts from last year, where it's like Shane Steichen could sort of use him in a very similar type of way. So it's like, if you look at Jalen Hurts' stats from last season, Hertz finished as the number three quarterback in PPR leagues, 378.4 fantasy points, uh, 3,701 passing yards, 22 passing touchdowns, six interceptions, 760 rushing yards, and 13 rushing touchdowns. So 
I'm not saying that Anthony Richardson is going to replicate these numbers. I'm just saying that it's going to fall very much in line with those type of numbers as far as like his passing numbers will be lower, but his rushing numbers will be higher, which automatically then as a quarterback gives him more value because he's adding that rushing element to his offense, right? So it's like if he's getting those rushing touchdowns, automatically you're getting more points there. The rushing yards get you more points. And if he does a little bit in the passing game, automatically he gets you at least possibly 20 points a game potentially. I don't think for sure it's going to happen, but just he is a guy that I'd probably keep on my radar as well when I'm looking at priority agents once we get into those bye weeks as far as like needing to get a replacement at the quarterback position. And then lastly, I just want to close that with Les, and I'll pass it to you here for your thoughts on these three quarterbacks is that he's really dependent on if Ryan Tannehill plays or if he gets hurt. Because, I mean, if he gets hurt, then obviously we'll see Will Levis. But even if they insert Will Levis, just like Houston's situation, I don't like the supporting cast that Will Levis has there in Tennessee. Because, I mean, we've done this before, Tad, but their starting receiver group right now is Traylon Burks, Nikel Westbrook-Ikine, Kyle Phillips, and Racy McMath. Like, outside of Traylon Burks, I don't trust any of those Who guys. Who is that last person? You made that name up. Bullshit. I swear to God, that is Bullshit. a real name. Racy His McMath. real name is Racy. Racy, R-A-C-E-Y. That's like, that's like what I would name my to- toy Hot Wheel as a kid. <laughs> Racy McMath, that is an accurate, uh, that's an actual name, actual receiver also, in the M- NFL. Also, McMath like, sounds like the stereotypical, like, Irish, like, <laughs> AI-generated teacher on one of these math programs now. Like, it's Professor McMath. <laughs> exactly. And then I like him at the tight end position. I know you sort of knock him a little bit. You're trying to get the tights to replace him. But Chig's a Cogquo, uh, their second-year tight end. I think he's got a lot of potential he's there. But good. once again, Would you stop with this? But once again, it's very similar to Houston, where it's like they only have a select uh, number of options in that passing game. So it's like, how much are they going to be able to get from Will Levis? Maybe you'll see some of the running ability, but just, yeah, I'm not touching him in redraft leagues this year at all. It's, once again, a dynasty sort of thing. So really quick, do you have any thoughts on any of the three quarterbacks that I mentioned in Stroud, Richardson, and Levis? Yeah, I mean, with Stroud, nothing against him. I do still really like him as a quarterback. I was hoping he was going to be the guy the Colts landed, but unfortunately, like you said, that offense around him is, uh, as the kids would say, <clears throat> very mid. I'm I'm hip now, right? I'm hip. Not even close. <laughs> kids, kids definitely still say hip, which is a great, you know, case yeah. for me. Yeah. But mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. yeah, there's just there's not enough around him, especially with Damian Pierce's injury, kind of throwing that offense even further in flux. I just don't trust them right now. Like you said, dynasty leagues, if they play their cards right, hundred percent, you know, two or three years down the road, this could be a very valuable player. But if you're in a redraft league, just stay away from him. Uh, again, by no fault of his own, just the situation he landed in Anthony Richardson. Now I agree with you. Cause I kind of struggle with this because I, I, I do think he'll have some good games where he gets two rushing touchdowns and passing touchdown and get you, like you said, 20, 23 points. Unfortunately, I just don't think he'll be able to do that consistently. So he'll be largely a matchup based uh, waiver pickup of like, Oh, he's playing the 30th ranked run defense. Well, yeah, then that'll probably be pretty good. You know, matchup, especially if you're on a bye week but in terms of like consistency, I don't see him as a, you know, staying put on a roster for more than a week or two, because it's just, I don't, you seem to, and by the way, thank you for clarifying that he's not going to have a borderline MVP season, his rookie year, comparing him to Jalen Hurts. <laughs> You're giving me um, that look, so I just had to make sure that's like, I'm not well, saying he's you going just, to be. You just compared him to two, NFL, well, I guess Hurts never won an NFL MVP, but you just compared him to two quarterbacks who led their team to the Super Bowl. No, that's fair. That's fair. But like I said, it just I, I mean, I hope, that works out. I hope that comparison works out. Don't get me wrong. I hope it does I, too for you. you are, it it's so weird that you're more hopeful in this guy than I am. Um, <laughs> 
but yeah, especially his rookie year, I just, I don't trust him again. Longevity is a concern too. If they run with him too much, how long can he really stick around? He's not the biggest guy in the world. Uh, he's very tall, very muscular, but he's still kind of skinny. So I, I'm worried about longevity depending on how much they run with him. Um, so yeah, a waiver guy worth keeping your eye on, but absolutely undraftable in my opinion. Same with Will Levis. Like you said, it, there's just nothing because that was, that's what hindered Ryan Tannehill's fancy value as well was the fact that not only are there are his weapons, the weapons that offense not good, they hand it off to Derrick Henry 300 times a game. So it's just like, yeah, there's just nothing to love there. I, I doubt Will Levis even plays much this year. And uh, the one interesting guy I want to talk about and get hear your thoughts about is Hennon Hooker. So he's been, I know people are like, oh, great, he has a retreat year. And maybe that is true. But he has been cleared to play this upcoming season. True, so true. my, what I'm wondering is if Jared Goff goes down with an injury, which of course I'm not hoping for, just hypothetically, or the more realistic uh, type is Jared Goff was a one-year wonder last year and he goes back to the old Jared Goff and starts struggling. Hendon Hooker steps in. That is a great offense to step into immediately. I mean, we were talking about how well that benefits Bryce Young. I think I like the Lions offense better than I like the Panthers, to be totally honest. So... People may go, that's ridiculous. Where are you talking about? That is exactly the situation that happened with Russell Wilson. Is, yeah, nailed the third round, well, I guess fourth round pick in Seattle. He, and correct me if I'm wrong, he oh, he beat out Tavares Jackson in the preseason, right? Was it still Tavares Jackson? You know about Russell Wilson? Yes. No, I don't know if you remember this. But oh, no, he beat Flynn. Out. Yep. Flynn. That's exactly Flynn got a big contract after coming over from Green Bay, and he lost his job to... Russell Wilson, exactly. And people were saying at the time, like, this is really dumb. He's a you know, mid-round pick. What are you doing? And we all saw that panned out. So it wouldn't shock me if Hendon Hooker was, you know, this year's Russell Wilson or Dak Prescott. Because um, Dak was a similar situation, wasn't he? He stepped in for Andrew Tony Romo, and that's when people were like, oh, shit, this guy's actually pretty good. So it, mm -hmm. it's happened, you know, several times in the last decade. Hendon Hooker could be this year's sleeper. Now, is he draftable? Of course not. Because if... Jared Goff plays the same he did last year and stays healthy. He's never going to see the field. But if you're in Dynasty League and he's there in the later rounds, whoo, that could be a good stash away. 100%. 100%. So that's the quarterback position landscape. Like I said, I think there's some glimmer of hope that if you need a quarterback, like during those bye week streaming options, you got a little bit of potential there. But overall, it's just like, yeah, I think you sort of had to take that wait and see approach with the quarterbacks for sure. But Ted, now I think I want to move on to sort of the meat of this episode, and that's the running back position and then the wide receiver position right after it. I think you get a lot of great value players here as far as adding to your rosters. And we're going to start at the running back position. We're going to start at that number eight overall selection in B. John Robinson going to the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, Tad, you don't draft a guy number eight overall unless you intend to make him the focal point of your offense. I think 100%. You were sort of talking about this with Tennessee. Arthur Smith comes from Tennessee, where he coached up Derrick Henry, where he was, was the focal point of the offense. This Derrick is the 100%. Henry. Exactly like you said. This is exactly what he's trying to mimic what he had in Tennessee. Now he's got that guy in Bijan Robinson. He's drawn comparisons to Saquon Barkley because of the skill set that he has as a receiver okay, as well as a runner. And I mean, he definitely is going to be a fancy RB1. Because like I said, you don't take him that high unless you intend for him to be the bell cow in your offense. And I mean, if you compare him to, like I said, Saquon Barkley, I had to look up these numbers too. His rookie season, Saquon Barkley put up 385.8 fantasy points, which was first 
in PPR league. So I'm not saying that he's going to be able to replicate these numbers, but it's going to be pretty close, especially if you he have comes. some very lofty expectations. Okay. This is what it feels like, like the, the shoe, the, what, the shoe is flipped or whatever. The shoe is on the other shoes foot. On the other foot. There like, yeah, now I finally see like your, what you were feeling like with my hall of fame draft comparisons. Like my God, <laughs> I'm anyway, saying sorry, that they could going. fall into similar numbers like this. So you put oh, up look at that. There's a little bit of nuance to comparisons. How about that? Exactly. Exactly. So 1,307 mm, rushing yards, 11 that. rushing touchdowns, downs 91 receptions which i think could be very similar to what he could see in atlanta 721 receiving yards and four receiving touchdowns so i mean this guy was utilized all over the field and i know atlanta has drake london they have kyle pitts so they have some other receiving options but in case they just don't have the time the offensive line can't hold up to protect desmond ritter then maybe he's going to hit that dump off with Bijan Robinson. He's going to rack up potentially 90 plus receptions in this offense. Like, I mean, it, it's very much a possibility, but I think he's definitely going to use his running back style. Um, like I said, for me, I think he's definitely an RB one. I don't think there's any question on that. The really just the tough thing is that this just obliterates any fantasy stock for Tyler Algier, who had a thousand yard rushing season last season. I was pushing for that guy so much last season. He finally got the starting job. He looks so great. And then Atlanta does this. So it's like, yeah, Algier is just pretty much a handcuff option at this point. So if Robinson were to get hurt, then you to toss in Algier there. But I mean, yeah, he's going to get the crumbs to, you know, whatever that uh, Bijan Robinson is going to be getting in this offense. And so, I saw you shaking your head there. I don't think you feel the same way that I do about Bijan Robinson. And so, yeah, I want to hear your thoughts on Bijan Robinson's fantasy stock. I warned fans or listeners that, uh, you know, they'd be hearing this a lot, this episode, but it's just too many unknowns. So let me read off a couple stats that I found. Was uh, So last year, Tyler Algier put up 13-plus points in three of the last four weeks of the season. Okay, but also last year, Cordell Patterson put up 14 plus points five times in the 13 games he played. So that is promising for Bijan Robinson because if he takes on the role of both those guys, clearly the production is there. Here's the problem. All three of those guys are still on the roster. So like what you're saying of like, oh, if you can rack up 90 receptions, if I'm Arthur Smith, I trust Cordell Patterson being my you know receiving running back more. And I trust more like splitting up the time between Bijan and Algier to kind of start off the season. So I don't so much doubt that Bijan cannot turn into a running back one, but I think it's just going to happen way, way later in the season than people think. And I think that that, you know, kind of Hydra approach of the three very capable running backs is going to kill every fantasy you know, promise that they really have. I think they're all going to be running back to like low end running back to, flex options for most of the first half of the season by the time they really start paying off it might be too late so you say clear cut running back number one i say i'm not even touching him until the third or fourth round because right. we just well, don't know he won't get the option is, then because he's he probably going to be gone he, in the first round my point exactly but i think that's that is a very unnecessary risk to take because we don't know how that split in carries is going to work yeah you're right he could be the bell count they could just like hit the ground running then with him but oh come on! I didn't even get a laugh there. That was great. <laughs> but uh, I, I just I don't know how this backfield is going to function. I don't know who's going to still be playing a role. I don't know who's may, might get cut in late August. Like there, I mean, of course, if it's anyone, it's gonna be Patterson. But I just I don't the, I don't have enough confidence in Arthur's. Because let's be real. Yes, Arthur Smith looks like a genius when you go back to his Titans days. This is the guy that looked at Desmond Renner and goes. We can win the division with him. 
I know you and I are both higher on Desmond Ritter than most, but like that was a very weird decision to barely address. I mean, it, it, they have, you seen uh, the division? He's not completely wrong. <laughs> Uh, yeah but that's also not saying much but uh exactly it's both it's both sides of the coin right it's yeah like, exactly it's, They're, it's 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 like two-faced no matter where the coin lands you're still kind of fucked um make my own luck it, nice um <laughs> so i just i don't know like i it's just there's that all that that crowd of a backfield is usually very very bad news fantasy wise so i'm staying away from that that's i'm fair. staying away from all falcons really I don't think That's there's a fair. single Falcon I put on my roster. Interesting. Interesting. So I think all your reasoning makes a ton of sense. But like I said, I don't think they take him that high when a lot of people expecting them to address the defense or maybe go, with, like like I said, go with the defensive line, go with the corner position. But then they go with running backs. So, I mean, that sort of says something as far as like they clearly target this uh, this guy to be a main part of their offense. Um, I think we talked about this last offseason where they were like, we want to shift Cordell Patterson to be more of a receiver. So maybe they're going to put him in the slot mm-hmm. and utilize him like, you know, different ways as far as being a running back as well as a receiver a little bit too. So it's just like, but yeah. I 100% it. I like the wait and see approach, but, but I guess we fell for, me, for the trap. I have a little bit but more confidence. I will, but we fell for this trap last year because we were saying this exact same thing at the same time last year of like, oh, you said Patterson's going to play more slot. That must mean Algier is going to be like your immediate impact rookie. That's how this whole like tidal wave, which you did call, by the way, your tidal wave of support form started in the summer was because we were like, oh, they drafted this very talented running back in the mid-rounds. He's looking really good in the preseason. They said Patterson was going to play the slot more. And guess who was the highest-scoring Atlanta running back until he got hurt in week four or five? It was Patterson because he duped us. That's the thing. I'm not falling. Fool me once. Okay. Fool me twice. No. That's how the saying goes, right? Not even close, but that's all right. Uh, let's move along. we got a lot of other running backs and then eventually receivers that we want to talk about here. So let's get to the de- next big shock here. Jameer Gibbs, number 12 overall to the Detroit no, Lions. So at the time of the pick, I think most people watching the draft, including you you and me included, obviously, were like, what is Detroit doing here? Like, you slotted tight end here. I think I slotted, like, defensive uh, defensive end or defensive line, possibly even corner. But, yeah, they decide to address the running back position to clog up that backfield with Jameer Gibbs. At the time, Jameer Gibbs, DeAndre Swift, and David Montgomery. Obviously, later on, we find out that Detroit was working a trade, and they eventually did work a trade to trade DeAndre Swift to the Philadelphia Eagles. So now it's pretty much a shared backfield between Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery now. So honestly, now with that trade, I think this clears up a lot more, and I like Jameer Gibbs fitting in his offense a lot more compared to what it was before, right? We're very similar to your thoughts with the Atlanta Falcons, where it's just like, I don't know who's going to get the ball in a given week. I don't know who's going to be the leading rusher in a given week. But now I think them drafting Jameer Gibbs at number 12 sees that they want to use him more as a sort of all-around running back. He doesn't have the physicality, not the physicality, but he doesn't have the vacant build to be a three-down running back. So David Montgomery is still going to be involved for sure. But I see Jameer Gibbs sort of slowly as the season progresses taking more of the touches in that offense compared to David Montgomery. Um Dave Montgomery also has an injury history. So, I mean, he hasn't been healthy to stay on the field a lot of the time. So that's really going to open up a lot of things for Jameer Gibbs as well. So I'm pretty high on Jameer Gibbs. I'm not as high as him as uh, B. John Robinson, obviously, but I think he's got a lot of potential, especially if you draft him in like maybe the fourth or fifth round. Like I think he's got a lot of receiving capabilities early in the season. So me and I get a lot of rushing touches compared to David Montgomery. But I think as the season progresses, like I said, he'll get involved on both sides as being a runner as well as a receiver. I mean, you just add more to that potent offense that already has a lot of good passing options. 
Then you add Jameer Gibbs, who looks like a natural receiver too. Like, I mean, he's got the skills to do that. So I think he's going to flourish pretty well. I'm going to say he's probably going to be a high-end RB2. Maybe, depending on how the season plays out, a fringe you RB1 are being will be generous this. tonight, my friend. I like this. I have the optimisms on the running backs. These two specifically. I mean, we'll get to some others later that I'm not as high on. But, yeah, Jameer Gibbs, Bijan Robinson, I'm high on both these guys based on the locations that they landed in and sort of the situations that they've also been presented with as well in their perspective running back room. So, doesn't seem like you're as high on Jameer Gibbs as I am either. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I like it more. Like you said, the Andre Swift uh, trade definitely – help to obviously expand his role in this offense. But I mean, high end running back too. like, dude, David Montgomery, if he can stay healthy is fits more of the, I think mold of how that offense runs of just like aired out, aired out, aired out. Okay. Get us a couple yards, aired out, aired out, aired out. Okay. Get us a couple yards. So I don't think they really utilize the running part of running back all that well. They utilize more of the receiving part of that. The problem is, the way that offense worked last year and assuming it works the same this year, running back was usually the third or fourth read. So while they sure. utilize them very well, and I think Gibbs will see a lot of playing time. I'm not sure if the production is going to match the playing time. So I think he'll be used more. And I do completely agree with you on this. I do think he'll be used mostly as a change of uh, pace back at the beginning of the season. And if he can prove himself as a runner, which he may or may not be able to. That's the hardest part of scouting him was I was like, I don't know if you're going to quite be able to do this in the NFL, but we'll see. So if he proves himself as a runner, 100%, I, I think running back two is in the conversation. But going right off the bat, you know, going into August and September, if you're a gambler in the draft, I like him, you know, as a flex option if you feel like taking that risk. Otherwise, I like him as a speculative add to your bench. But either way, he's draftable. I, I don't think I'd be shocked if he went undrafted in most leagues because he will have some type of sizable role in that offense. I think you are expecting a little bit bigger of one than me, but I, I think that it's just, he is a wait and see guy, but he is a bench and wait and see guy. If you expect him to be on the waiver wire, you probably will be disappointed and rightfully so. All right. Fair, fair. Like I said, maybe I'm just a little bit too optimistic with both these guys. We'll see how it all plays out. You are. But let's get to the other side of the pillow here, where it's just like, there's a guy that we sort of talked about during the draft, and I kind of spent a little bit more time talking about him today and his situation. Zach Charbonnet with the Seattle Seahawks out of the University of UCLA, obviously. This one was just one of those moves that I think on paper, as far as being a football fan, is great for all you Seahawks fans out there. But for fantasy managers, this is just, yeah, this is death almost. Kind of. Like, I mean, I just I don't see any sort of optimism out of both these guys, him being Zach Charbonnet and then the current starting running back, Kenneth Walker, the third sort of being able to live together in that backfield and sort of both having very successful seasons in redraft leagues. Yeah, maybe the long term potential is higher for Zach, uh, Zach Charbonnet, obviously, if they eventually decide to trade him or if they decide to trade Kenneth Walker, the third, like maybe that's there. But in redraft leagues, this just worries me so much because you brought this up, Ted. You said these guys are going to cannibalize each other like they both. Both have very yeah. similar skill sets, maybe a little bit different. Uh, Kenneth Walker is a little bit more of a bruiser compared to Zach Charbonnet. Zach Charbonnet is a little bit better of a natural hands catcher compared to Kenneth Walker the third. So they have a little bit of a difference between them, but still, they're both going to be very good running backs in that sort of situation. But just, yeah, it sort of kills any sort of fancy stock that, I believe me, when they tra when Rashad Penny signed with Philadelphia, I was like, Kenneth Walker the third is my guy going into every draft next year. And then what happens? Zach Sharpen, I was just like, well, there goes that plan. Now I got to yeah, have to redirect, yeah. obviously. But thankfully, it's only May. We have a lot of time to go before that. But 
Tad, I want to uh, I want to throw this out to you here as a pop quiz. There's oh, been shit. only two teams. I I give the pop quizzes. I don't receive them. What is this? This is a trap. We're changing it. We're changing it here. So there's only been two teams in the NFL that have had two 1,000-yard rushing running backs in the NFL oh, in Christ recent Almighty. history. Um, do you think you can name those two teams and the players? Define define recent history. Uh, last 20 years. Two 1,000-yard rushers on the same team? Correct. Fuck me. Um, but running back specifically, because this has happened with uh, Michael Vick and work done in Atlanta. Okay. Ah, Lamar damn Jackson. It. Damn so it. That was specifically running backs. Uh, specifically running backs. Was it one of the Chargers teams with Michael Turner and LT? No. Damn it. Oh, shit. Uh, oh, oh, D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart. Correct. That is one of them. In 2009, Jonathan Stewart had 1,133 wow. rushing yards, 207.2 fantasy points, which was 14th in PPR leagues. And D'Angelo Williams had 1,117 rushing yards, 203.9 fantasy points, and he was 16th in PPR leagues. So it was not bad in that situation, but do you think you can name the other one? The other one might be a little bit tougher. Brandon Jacobs and Mott Bradshaw? You are close. You are very oh. close. It was 2008. It was Brandon Jacobs. He had 1,089 rushing yards for 206.5 fantasy points, 19 in PPR leagues. But it was Derek Ward who oh, had so 1,025 rushing yards for 193.5 you know fantasy points, you know and he what? was 20th in PPR leagues. You know what happened? Derek Ward, if I'm not mistaken, Derek Ward, uh, Ward wore 34, and I got that confused with the Mod Bradshaw's 44. 44. Yep, that's Damn very it. possible. It's very possible. But not bad. You were very close. I, was, I didn't think you were going to get the Giants one. I figured you might get the Panthers one. That was pretty obvious because that almost killed a lot of fantasy managers too. Like, yeah. do I trust Elijah Williams? Do I trust Jonathan Stewart? And then this is going to be a very similar situation where it's like, do I trust Kenneth Walker the third? Do I yeah. trust Zach Charbonnet? And Ted, let's add an extra wrinkle into this. In the seventh round, they draft Kenny McIntosh out of the University of Georgia. So now that was a weird a pick. That was such a weird <laughs> exactly. pick. Exactly. So now they got a third guy who's got a pretty good skill set at the running back position. DJ Dallas, who they already have on the roster, is not bad changing oh, pace back so either. Cut. So it's just he like is so he's, cut. he's probably cut, but just like you're throwing extra hurdles into this running back situation to cloud it up a lot more. So it's just like. For me, it's just it drops my Kenneth Walker the third stock severely. My Zach Charbonnet stock, I just I don't know if I want to like touch that. Like I said, this is a running back situation. I don't want to touch anymore. Before, like I said, I was all in on Kenneth Walker the third. Now I'm just a little bit hesitant to even touch either of these guys. Murray, do you hear that? Is that coming through my end? No, no. Oh, it sounds like a broken record because we have been saying this <laughs> for yeah, years. Yeah. Four years about Seattle, and it's all well-founded, but they keep proving us wrong, and they made me a believer at this point. But I agree. I think success on the field-wise, this will work out very well for them. Success on the fantasy you know, boards, on the fantasy field, this is a nightmare because I think it, it, it's the exact same thing that was happening with Rashad Penny and um, Kenneth Walker last year until Rashad Penny went down, and then Kenneth Walker started blowing up. So unless one of them gets hurt, the other is always going to handcuff the other. Like, for whatever reason, Pete Carroll loves this, uh, you know, the, this running back by committee approach, and I can't blame him. Like I said, it's worked. So I, I agree. I think for the team, unfortunately for you, it's really good news. Yeah. I think for the uh, for the fancy managers looking to have one of these guys on their roster – Solid flex option, you know, it, it's worth the risk of like, hey, it could be him this week. It could be him this week. I think that's well worth the risk, uh, especially if you're in a deeper, you know, 12-man league. Um, 
but yeah, just in terms of like, oh, this could be my like surprise running back one. Exactly. Barring yeah, injury, I, I don't see any anybody in this backfield reaching that potential. 100% what I see happening is like if I see those guys sliding, I may take a chance on him in one of the later rounds. But yeah. I'm not going to be targeting either of these guys in my fantasy draft. Like I said, when I was heading into the draft, before the drafting of Zach Charbonnet, I was like, Kenneth Walker the third is a guy I want to leave all my mm-hmm. drafts with. But now it's like, yeah, I'm fine if I don't take it. <laughs> like, I mean, it's completely changed. And, yeah, like we talked about, great on the field for the Seattle Seahawks. But, yeah, fantasy managers, yeah, this is not a situation that you want to deal with at all. All right, real quick, who do you trust more, though? If you were forced to draft one, would you go Charbonnet or Walker? I'd probably stick with Walker. I think I saw so it a I. little bit more there. We have to see whether Charbonnet can sort of translate those skills to the NFL. And I think he can. I'm not saying he can't, but it's just like I've seen it with Ken Walker last year. He's familiar with the system. Go, I go with a known bit. product. Exactly. Exactly. So that's where I have my trust here. So, Tad, let's close out the running back position. I want you to give me a sleeper guy that not a lot of people are talking about that you like as far as a fantasy, you know, potential like, you know, flex play or like a, just a bench guy that can, you know, be a good streamer for you or, you know, a high priority free agent addition later in the season. So I both these guys are going to make it look like I'm very, very biased, but I swear to God, I'm not. Uh, the first one that is really intriguing, but it's very situational based is yeah. Kendra Miller. The third round pick that out okay, TCU. Wow. This, this is spooky because we did not share notes. I have Kendrick no, Miller as one of my guys. No too, so this is fantastic. There you so, go. Okay. so, but this is why it's so situational is because it largely depends on does Alvin Kamara play most of the season. And that is still yeah. very much up mm-hmm. in the air. I really do think that hammer will drop if it does sometime in July is usually when the NFL kind of drops, you know, those big time suspensions once they have enough time to investigate and everything. So if Kamara is suspended, Kendra Miller shoots up my draft board. he goes from an undrafted guy to like, I don't know, fifth, sixth round consideration, because I know people are going to say like they have Jamal Williams, but here's the thing about Jamal Williams. He only had 12 receptions for the lions last year and the saints offense, assuming it runs in the traditional saints offense way. I know people are going to go, well, this isn't the Sean Payton offense. It pretty much ran the same was uh, it runs through a lot of passes to the running back. I think that was a big, big reason why they drafted Kendra Miller, because they said if Kamara does get suspended, we don't have a whole lot of confidence from all Williams to really be able to carry us. So will he be like a running back too? No, but I think he could turn into a very, very viable flex option. Now, with that said, if nothing happens to Kamara, first off, why? Uh, second off, <laughs> yeah. I mean, just look up Kamara beating those pictures or, but, uh, if Kamara ends up playing most of the season or all the season, don't draft Kendra Miller. I'll stay away from that. Now a guy, and this is a deep, deep sleeper and a potentially big risk. But I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on this yet. Another former TCU running back, but the trader decided to go Ole Miss is Zach Evans. Okay. Is a fascinating, fascinating running back to look at because his time at uh, TCU, he was our star running back. He had this great physicality. There were I was legitimately talking myself into he could go late first round, and then he decided to transfer to Ole Miss. Nothing against him. Uh, you know, jokes aside, is we the program was looking down and he wanted out because he was a five star recruit. So he goes to Ole Miss where he does rush for nearly a thousand yards. But his yards per rush went down. So he averaged seven yards per rush in both of the seasons at TCU. It went slightly down at Ole Miss. And then he lost his uh, job to a true freshman, which I think is the reason he slipped so far into the sixth round is because people are like, that was kind of weird. And kind, I'm going to be totally honest here. His passion is a question. 
Like I said, he not his passion. I should say his loyalty. He jumped from the he jumped ship from TCU the second it looked like it was sinking. Then like this, and there were a lot of rumors around the Ole Miss program that as soon as he started losing that job to the true freshman, he was like, fine, fine, I'm not gonna try, and just backed off and let the true freshman kind of take over it. So that is a concern. But speaking of running back drama, he goes to the Los Angeles Rams. I know they said they reconciled, but I, I don't know about you. I feel like the Cam Akers Rams relationship is just bound to end in like flames. Like a, like a it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah it's and, very let's not, and let's not forget that Cam Akers has also had his fair share of uh, injuries. So mm-hmm. I think Zach Evans, if you're in a deeper league, like a 14 man league, uh, Zach Evans might not be a terrible, like your know, last three round ad because there is potential there for him to kind of, you know, take over the not take over the starting role but get himself cement himself a role in that offense especially because and i it's my turn to make a kind of out there comparison it's not the perfect comparison but his style does remind me slightly of Todd Gurley, where he's kind of like it's not like he's a trucker but he's a physical back where he just kind of it's like bumper cars right he just kind of bounces off everybody so maybe they re, you know revive that todd Gurley magic in this offense with zach evans it's possible. It's possible. So, yeah, I love the Kendra Miller pick, especially I want to throw in this point. Jamal Williams scored 17 touchdowns last season. That was crazy. I did look that up earlier tonight. I, was like, I don't oh, know if he's going to replicate that this, this year. So I no, think you probably no, see a not. lot more Kendra Miller, even if Alvin Kamara doesn't get suspended. I think they're going to utilize him a little bit more, sort of like a three running back system. I think it brings a little bit more to the running game as well as the receiving game compared to a Jamal Williams, exactly like he laid yeah. out. So I think even if Alvin Kamara by somehow avoids getting suspended, I still like Kendra Miller. It's just, yeah, maybe not as high as if Alvin Kamara would, be, gets, would get suspended but i still like him a little bit so maybe high priority free agent maybe last guy on my bench sort of situation there um in case Zach anyone Evans, is one in case sorry real quick in case anyone was wondering i my guess is uh kamara's probably gonna get like an eight game suspension eight or nine games i don't think it'll be a f- for a full season but it'll, no, be, I don't think it'll be a full season either but yeah good half the season i could see very likely yeah. there and zach evans yeah i think everything like you said they sort of need to establish that running game for the rams office to be successful and so yeah whether that's you know coupling him up with cam makers where the cam maker situation just gets back to being like you know just i want to get traded you know that ends up being a blaze of fire exactly like you're kind of laying out there then yeah zach evans definitely has a great opportunity to sort of take a stranglehold of that running back duty there as the rb1 and sort of lead that rushing offense for them so yeah i like zach evans there one guy that i want to bring up really quickly that i'll go through pretty quickly uh devin ashane with texas a&m siding with mm, my uh, yeah. drafted by the miami Dolphins. So. Add a speedy runner to an offense in Miami that likes to base their offense on speed. Like, this is a uh, this is a match made in heaven, essentially, for Devin and Shane. Um, they obviously re-signed Raheem Mostert. They re-signed Jeff Wilson Jr., but there's been a problem. I know Raheem Mostert stayed healthy pretty much all of last season, but he does have an injury history. There's part of the reason why San Francisco decided to move on. There's part of the reason why he bounced from so many teams before he latched on to San Francisco as well. Has a little bit of issues there. Jeff Wilson Jr. has struggled at times to stay on the field, too. Devin and Shane, if he can stay healthy and he can usurp that role, he's got just a electric speed like i mean i'm watching tape of this guy it's just like he's a home run that he's a home run play waiting to happen and you put this in mike mcdaniel's system here now i think he could hit that zone offense get off the edge i think he could be a very dangerous threat 
for you guys. But just, yeah, that's the biggest thing. He's going to be playing behind Mostert Wilson. But like I said, there's a little bit of a good handcuff opportunity there because both those guys sort of have a hard time staying on the field. Mike McDaniel likes to mix in his running backs too, very similar to Kyle Shanahan. We all know about the San Francisco running back situation. Not anymore, not anymore, but in the past, obviously. So this could be a very similar situation. As soon as he sees more of a shade in this offense being successful, maybe he'll start to get more touches. So that's a guy to keep on your radar. Maybe you don't want to draft him, but just once again, a guy to keep on your radar as the waiver wire starts coming in once we get into the middle of the season for sure. Yeah, I mean, my notes for a Shane who was also pick of mine, it, like almost nearly identical. Like he's a home run uh, player, not even just a home run, like it's touchdown or bust. Like he just gets good chunks when he large, you know, yeah, large amounts of space. Mm-hmm. Um, Miles Gaskin is also there. He is a prime cut or trade candidate in the preseason because I don't think he's going to make this. We saw him struggle with the system last year. Um, like you said, I think Jeff Wilson and most are going to kind of get in his way. And I, I don't mean play style. I mean like fantasy performance wise. I think he'll be a lot like uh, Jamichael Hasey was when yeah. Hasey randomly got good. Those like last three or four weeks of the season, everybody was like, who the fuck is this guy? So I think like, just look out. Cause once he hits that spark, McDaniel tends to ride with the hot hand as so Shanahan. So I think what, like that first big performance by a Shane, that's when you go after him. I agree. Don't draft him. Cause I think it might be a bit of a slow start, but once like once he puts up, I'd say like 10 plus points, uh, risk it. Like that receiver where you're like, oh, the receiver might still break out. Nah, uh, drop the receiver, get a shake. There you go. So speaking of receivers, let's get to the receiver position. Let's go through some of these pretty quickly here. So I think we want to focus on the four receivers that are drafted in the first round there, Tad. So we got Jackson Smith, the Jigma with the Seattle Seahawks, Quentin Johnston with the Los Angeles Chargers, Zay Flowers with the Baltimore Ravens, and of course, Jordan Addison with the Minnesota Vikings. Then if we have time, we'll slip in some sleepers here. But just, I think probably out of all these receivers, Tad, I'd probably lean towards Jordan Addison probably being the highest as far as these rookies, as far as the guy that I would want on my roster, because he sort of steps into a situation. We talked about this in our last episode. We talked about this during the draft live stream as well, that just he steps into a situation where he's going to be like, I think the de facto number two receiver. Like, I mean, I think he'll obviously have to fight for that with KJ Osborne, but I think Jordan Addison presents better route race skills. He's more of a natural hands catcher. He can get open like pretty much whenever he wants to based on everything that I've seen on his tape from USC. And then obviously back with Pittsburgh when he won the Bolitnikoff award. Right. So I think he's going to step in. He's going to take that Adam Thielen role where he's going to be able to move the chains. He's got the great route race skills to separate for receivers. Like we talked about taking that pressure off of Justin Jefferson. So it's like, he's going to be more of a threat and then Jordan Addison on his, Ode is going to be a really great threat. They throw KJ Osborne every so often. That's passing offense is going to go to another level. So honestly, Kirk Cousins may be a really good fantasy ad as you're thinking about your drafts. That's now not bad. With this yeah. passing offense, right? So I really like Jordan Addison. I think he's the guy that I would like the most out of all those four receiver options there because Quentin Johnson I like, but he's buried behind Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. You're sort of waiting for an injury to happen for him to really shoot up, and I think he's a really great dynasty option where it's like he could develop into a really good receiver. I'm always already hearing rumors that they may want to go move on from Keenan Allen, so if they decide to do that, then Quentin oh, Johnson— Oh, Keenan Allen is the pick, really. That's what we I heard. Were, that's what I, was I that, was that Chauncey's podcast we were talking where we all kind of agree like Mike Williams was likely the one gone? Mike Williams was the talk for a while, but now I'm reading articles that because Keenan Allen is older, they made that smart. I was just about to say, I think that's a smarter play. 
So we'll see. But if they decide for move from move on from either of them, then Quinn Johnson automatically steps up, becomes a more productive member of that passing offense. Uh, Zay Flowers, I already talked about this during uh, Chauncey's podcast on uh, LA Confidential a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think he brings a different element to that receiver room compared to Odell Beckham Jr. and Rashad Bateman. He's going to work the middle of the field. He's an excellent route runner as well. I think he may be the early deep threat in this offense. So I think he may be the guy to go that nine route, the go route to get those deep yardage plays. But I think eventually he's going to work be a chain mover for that team so i really like him probably as my second guy um and then obviously you gotta start with jackson smith the jake very similar to the los angeles chargers where he's behind dk metcalf behind tyler lockett he's gonna work the slot he's going to get open but just i don't know how often he's really just has to wait for his opportunities if one of those guys goes down so for me i like jordan addison the most out of that bunch but what do you like I don't entirely disagree with what you're saying, but for me, it's Zay Flowers. Uh, okay. Simply because I can't argue with that. that. I like Zay Flowers too. <laughs> because that that receiving room is just less competitive than everybody else's. So sure. I mean, I know everybody's talking about the return of OBJ, but this guy's not played football since January of 2021. So we don't know, not even just physical shape, just like in just in general terms of can he still play? He yeah. is getting up there in age and he took a year off. We saw what that did to Le'Veon Bell. And it was just, you know, one of those things where, of course, that those are entirely different situations. I'm yes, not saying OBJ, it like willingly took a year off. It was very unfortunate. I mean, that yeah. motherfucker played without an ACL for six weeks, apparently. He's a tough dude, but, you know, time beats us all at some point. And I, I do wonder what OBJ will look like in this offense. Uh, Rashad Bateman was way too inconsistent last year. So I think he could be not easy, but definitely but he got hurt vulnerable. Too, he only played this last season. So that's another thing too. But, but, but that helps my case is that he could exactly. be vulnerable to losing his, uh, you know, his position on the depth chart. And so I think if Zay Flowers can stay healthy and keep that athleticism and translate that to the NFL, we're seeing the next Hollywood Brown here. Not saying that he's as speedy as Hollywood Brown, but his Fancy production, him being, you know, Marquise Brown was pretty good when he was in Baltimore. And honestly, it was still pretty solid when he was in Arizona. Not that, you know, I'm bragging or anything because I definitely called that. <clears throat> but I think that Zay Flowers gets my number one. Dave, he was good until he got hurt, as you mentioned. <laughs> but um, I think that Zay Flowers has the most fantasy potential. Um, I'm just worried about Justin Jefferson eating too many targets to make Addison really fantasy worthy. I think Addison will definitely have his good weeks, but I think it will be kind of like Adam Thielen-esque where it's like, oh, sweet, he scored 15 points. He was on my bench. You're in. And four points the next weekend. Like, all right, fine, fuck you. You put him on the bench, 19 <laughs> points. You're like, come on. Like, this, that is Adam Thielen for the last, like, three years. I think there's a reason for that. So maybe Addison's – he's much more athletic than uh, Adam Thielen. So maybe that will help get him more targets. But I just worry about Jefferson and Addison's – not actual like personal relationship, but like they're on the field relationship, how that's going to work out. Um, QJ completely agree with you. That's just, it's a great stash and I would stash him <laughs> meaning draft him if you like him, because I don't think he will go and draft in main leagues, but you're basically exactly like what you say. You're just waiting for Keenan Allen or uh, Mike Williams to get hurt. And remind me of the other one. I'm blanking on it currently. JSN Jackson Smith and Jigba. I love it. I love it. I didn't like. I love the pick for the Seahawks because if I think it's once happens, again. Sorry to cut you off, but it's like it's very similar to Zach Charbonnet, where it's like on the field, fantastic. Exactly. Exactly. For fantasy that. purposes, I I just don't like it as much. Not yet. He's gonna have Not he's yet. gonna have like three or four good weeks of the entire exactly. season, and other exactly. than that, he'll put up like five points consistently. So I love the player. I love the fit, but exactly like what you said, it's just the, the Seahawks just really hate fantasy players, huh? <laughs> 
I guess so. Like, I mean, that's exactly what it is. So, yeah, as a Niners fan, I'm worried on the field. But, yeah, as a fantasy manager, like, it's just, yeah, it's not a situation that I want to worry about. Do you think he's even draftable? I think so. I think it's, like, because of the recognition and the skill that he brings and, like, being that third option, probably one of the best third options that they've had on their team in quite some time. So, it's, like, I think there's a little bit of viability there. But I just – I think what worries me is just how is their offense going to look? Are they going to go more pass-heavy now because they have three solid receivers or are they going to stick with the run because they drafted Zach Charbonnet for a reason, right, when they had Ken Walker the third. So, it's, like, what kind of offense are you going to get from Seattle in a given week? So, that also worries me, too. So, I may take him as a bench guy, but I can understand if somebody's like, you know what? I'm going to pass. I don't want to touch that sort of minefield sort of thing. So would you draft him? Like I said, maybe the last like three or four rounds I would consider him. But yeah, just anything earlier than that. Anything other than just a receiver to fill out my bench? No, absolutely not. Fair, fair. So let's get to the tight end position here, Tad, really quickly. Um, I brought this up before in a couple episodes. It's just for me. A rookie fantasy tight end is just I haven't seen enough production from them in the past couple of seasons. So it's like I honestly wouldn't touch a fantasy tight end in any of my redraft leagues at all. Like obviously Dynasty, there's a lot of great potential. Obviously, we see uh, Dalton Kincaid with Buffalo. I think he could really cement a role there, become a really good productive option for them. Uh, We saw Luke Musgrave going to the Green Bay Packers. I think he could develop into a good option. Also going to the Green Bay Packers, Tucker Craft. I mean, we both really were high on Tucker Craft as well. So him going to Green Bay, I think one of those guys could really get a really good receiving role to support Jordan Love. I think that's the big thing. We have to see what Jordan Love's going to do in Green Bay. And then also, Michael Bear fly, uh, finding a way to slide to the Las Vegas Raiders, especially when they traded Jared Waller. He's definitely going to get involved a lot. So it's like I like his potential there. But just in this rookie season, it's just I don't think they're going to get involved enough where I'm like, OK, I want to target these guys as potential backup tight ends or even obviously definitely not starting tight ends as well. But just no, no. I want to pass it to you here. Just like how do you feel about rookie tight ends and just like this tight end landscape? Are there any guys that you're willing to draft or is just like are you avoiding them all? And just like, yeah, what's your overall thoughts? There's only one guy I'm really targeting, like you said, as a backup. Do not draft this guy to be a starter because backup tight end, I, I actually even disagree with the concept of a backup tight end. I never draft yeah. one personally. Yeah. Um, but if you do, I think this guy is well worth the risk. And that's uh, Michael Mayer, who you brought up. Okay. Because yeah. I'm so glad you brought up lack of uh, rookie production because I know what people are thinking. You know, the Raiders just got Austin Hooper. The Raiders just got OJ Howard. How could Michael Mayer possibly beat these guys? I'm here. Do you want to know the last time Austin Hooper went over 500 yards in a season? I want to say it was his last season in Atlanta. So I think that was 2017? 2019. 19, damn. Do you want to know the last time OJ Howard went over 500 yards in a season? Never, right? 2018. Oh, he did. Okay, he actually did. It's the only time he's done in his career, though. It's the only (laughs) time he's done that. So, again, these are guys that, like, well, Hooper at least has earned that. Uh, Like, Hooper had that one giant year. That's why he got his back contract from Cleveland. Exactly. (laughs) And we've talked about this on the podcast before. OJ Howard is one of the most puzzling players in the NFL because it's just like, he can be good. He can be good. We have had eight years of him not being good. I don't know why teams keep buying into this. So honestly, it wouldn't shock me if OJ Howard was one of those surprise cuts in the preseason because he just, he never lives up to his athletic potential. Everyone wants him to be Evan Ingram, who, by the way, everyone's calling the next OJ Howard until last year. So I, I do think that window is, more open than people think for mayor to, if he lives up to his potential step in as that starter. And even if he doesn't, let's not forget that Josh McDaniel's offenses run better through multiple tight end uh, schemes. So even if that, if, even if mayor isn't the starter, he could still have some pretty solid fantasy production, but 
yeah, it's it's Mayer. That's it. Because like other guys, I mean, this is a guy I, I really fought for throughout the draft process. I still think he will be good, just not with the team he was drafted by, Darnell Washington. I yeah. don't understand why Pittsburgh drafted him. I think Fryermuth is the better red zone target. He's more polished. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to bury Darnell Washington's uh, production, like we said with the Seahawks. I love him for on the field. Now you have one of the most fearsome, like, blocking tight end duos in the league, probably the most fearsome. But in terms of fantasy production, I don't think Darnell Washington is going to do much. Guys, you already brought up, I am staying away from Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrove. Grave, yep. whatever. Like, it's just, it, it all determines of, like, which one does Jordan love, you know, Jordan love, love more. There you go. <laughs> yeah, see? Um, and, by the way, this is also assuming Jordan love is going to be good, because I think that that's that going to be Listen, it's so, very much, it's the crux of that offense. Like, oh. It's very much the crux of that offense. If he succeeds, then that offense will succeed and the team will succeed. But if he is terrible, obviously everything else will fall into play just like a domino effect there where it's just like it's not going to be good on the field. It's definitely not going to be good for fancy managers either. (laughs) Nothing against Jordan Love. I have nothing against him personally, but I just – the little bit we've seen from him, I've been wholly unimpressed. So I I just – Aaron Jones is draftable. Maybe Christian Watson you can talk me into, but – well, Christian Watson is draftable. But other other than those two, I, I don't think there's anyone on the Packers offense I would draft. Now, one last player I want to bring up, because I think this could be an interesting touchdown or bus uh, tight end pick, is Davis Allen, the sixth-round pick from by the Los Angeles Rams out of Clemson. He is 6'6", 245 pounds. Now, here's the reason why he slipped to the sixth round is because he can't really do much other than just go up and grab red zone targets. But right. that's really all they used Tyler Higby for in the offense anyways. Yeah. So don't be surprised if, like, he starts emerging as, like, again, I'm not saying he's like, oh, maybe a tight end one, maybe a tight end two. No, this is, like, pure, like, bye week. Please, for the love of God, score a touchdown this week. But that could be an eye to look out for because of his frame, that way his skill set works, and the fact that the Rams really only utilize tight end other than to block in the red zone. I could see him rising up the ranks in that Rams offense as well, especially because Higby, while good, just never really clicked in this offense. I don't know what was going on there, but I think that is a name to potentially look out for, especially as the Rams try to go younger. They might try to get these young guys more experience. So a name to look out for, and obviously not nowhere near the draft, but if he starts catching a couple touchdowns, you know, weeks in a row, I think that's worth a discussion uh, in the fall on this podcast. Not bad. Not bad. And really quickly, I guess I'll throw in a name, too, for the Los Angeles Rams specifically, too. Um, Puka Nakua, the wide receiver out of Penn State. So he played obviously there's, Parker There's a reason away from him. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Makes a ton of sense yeah. there. So outside of Cooper Cup, this receiving, like, the spots in this offense is very much up for grabs. Because, oh, Ted, yeah. Cooper Cup only played nine games. We talked about this a lot during the season last year. He only played this nine games ridiculous. last this season. This is my favorite stat. He still led all receivers in targets by over 30. The next closest was Ben Skoranek with 61. He had 98. So it was 37. Or 36, excuse me. My math there. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just insane wow. just how much productive Cooper Cup was compared to the rest of the receivers on the team. So, like I said, Ben Skoranek, he's got some talent, but easily I think Puka Nakua, I think he brings a little bit of a different element to the receiver option. I'm seeing a lot of articles saying that they compare him to he could fill a very Robert Woods type of offense, uh, a Robert Woods style of play in that offense when he was on the team. Like they used him on jet sweeps. They used him like, you know, on quick slants. Sometimes it was a deep threat as well, whereas Cooper Cup worked the entire field. So I think if he fills that role, and I think definitely what I've seen on the little bit of tape that I saw of him, he's definitely a red zone threat. Like off the scrimmage, he's very quick feet. 
he could get separation really quickly. So in the red zone, if they need a guy to sort of go up there and get some 50-50 balls, come down with the touchdown, this guy sort of is filling that role. So we'll see how this all plays out. It's very much like you said with Davis Allen. It's like, depending on how the offseason goes and how the preseason goes, and it's like, if he's able to separate himself, then his fantasy stock goes higher. But if he's not making a name for himself, then it's like, yeah, don't touch it with a 10-foot pole. So it's very yeah. much, we have to see how the summer goes, how the training goes, how he's picking up the offense. But Sean McVay targeted this guy and called him personally when they were about to make the selection. So I think he has a very high value on him. I bet you he's going to try and find ways to get him on the field. And the more that we see of him on the field, he could be a very good, interesting X factor in that Rams offense and also for fantasy managers as well. Yeah, I think the interesting thing with this Rams offense is a lot like what you said. A lot of positions on this offense are up for grabs. So oh, yeah. this will Both truly be – this is – I mean, and maybe Rams fans may disagree with this, but I, I honestly mean this when I say this. This is Sean McVay's biggest test as a head coach yet. Did you just get so. lucky with the personnel, or is your system really that good? And that's what makes this – fantasy wise so exciting is because you have all these unknowns and that's really kind of where he made his name as he turned Cooper cup, a kid out of Eastern Washington, I believe in the third round into arguably the best receiver in the NFL. So can you repeat that? So it's a lot of the Rams are going to be a priority waiver wire target team where if they work out very well, Something to look out for. And another thing that I just want to throw in real quick while we're on the subject of the Rams, a guy that I almost talked about during our quarterbacks uh, uh, segment. Yes. Stetson Bennett. If Matthew Stafford go, if Matthew Stafford goes down with an injury, I don't think they'll bench him if he struggles, but if he goes down with an injury, that elbow is still bugging him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Stetson Bennett honestly might not be out of the conversation to pick up. And before people go, Tad, what the hell are you talking about? This is how you end your episode. Remember that Baker Mayfield was a viable fantasy streamer toward the end of last year. That's how he ended on an NFL roster again with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is because of that amazing Monday night, you know, comeback. And I I really think that if Stafford goes down, don't count out Bennett as potentially really thriving in the system. I think people are like, well, he's so old. Maybe that's why McVay drafted him because his system is so complicated that he's just like, this guy will pick it up better than a 22 year old kid. So I, I think Bennett, if Stafford goes down worth, worth looking at. It's not a bad, a uh, little bit of a tidbit there at the very end there. Yeah. I like Stetson Bennett as a good bio, uh, bio replacement for Stafford. If he were to deal with injuries again, like he did last season. So yeah, I like that fit a lot. So yeah, we talked a lot about some fancy rookies here. This is only, like I said, the start of our We're sort of shift back. to go into, <laughs> the shifted to going into draft talk for sure. Like, I mean, we sort of had this little bit of a crossover episode to the draft and fantasy football, but we got a lot of great content coming your way. Talking about some offseason stuff, obviously fantasy football stuff as we get closer towards the end of the summer when all the drafts are happening. And the best way you can find out about everything that's happening with us, you see all our social media handles coming down below. You see it on the ticker there. Make sure you're following us on all our social media handles. You got me on Twitter, on the side 23. You got Tad at Tad side 94. Got the show handle at the decide guys. And of course, we're on Instagram at the Decide Guys as well. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. You can just hit that subscribe button. Always be up to date with all of our latest episodes on there. And of course, subscribe to us on YouTube so you can always be up to date with all of our videos that are coming out and live streams potentially when those are happening as well. Make sure you give some love to our friends at LEFB Network. They're giving a lot of great content as well when it comes to the Rams and the Chargers at the NFL level. And of course, at the college level, the Trojans and the Bruins. So make sure you give them a lot of great content. Uh, subscribe and follow them on social media as well. We've had a lot of them as guests on our July live stream and previous episodes they give a lot of great stuff we love them that's why we're part of this great network here so make sure you give them some love as well so guys 
Make sure you're interacting with us. Make sure you're watching us. Make sure you're listening to us. And everybody who's already doing all that stuff, we can't thank you enough. And by the way, if you're saying like, guys, you just talked about all these rookies. You didn't even touch my favorite team. Well, good news is our first draft grades on Twitter. Actually, our second draft grades on Twitter, sorry, are dropping <laughs> or did drop yesterday on Friday with the you know promotion of our episode where we actually graded some of our favorite and least favorite drafts of the year. So if you want to know what we thought your team's draft, keep checking in on those socials. We will update it, you know, day by day. And if you disagree, agree, let us know. I would love to interact with you guys. I love debating drafts, especially we have several very loyal bears listeners and uh, sure. they had an interesting draft. I almost had, they almost had a couple of candidates we talked about tonight, but and also, as we go in the summer, we need ideas. Like we, we, you know, we kind of kick around a lot of stuff. Basically, we just decide whatever sounds the most fun. That's what we're gonna roll with. That's the beauty of summer. So if there's something you want us to talk about, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit up, us up on Instagram. We want to make you guys happy because you support us so well. So as always, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching, and please stay safe. Mm-hmm.